I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is John Trooper. This is Kate Prusser. This is Julio Rodriguez. Produced by Evan James Audio. This is Luca Landing, Landing Podcast. Podcast. Hello again from the postseason. And welcome to another episode of the Lookout Landing Podcast. My name is Kate Prusser. I am the managing editor of LookoutLanding.com. And I am joined today by two writers. One who is very senior here at LL. You know him. You love him. You've read his recaps for years. It's Zach Gottschalk. Zach, how are you? Sorry, Gotti went to come out of my mouth because that is what we call you in the Slack because you have the unfortunate habit of being named uh, a zach which we had i think three of them when you started so God yeah was. yeah i'm doing great thanks kate and and you know we had three zachs when i started and then i outlasted all of them yeah and then and then we hired two more so I, that was upsetting yeah. for me personally yeah. sorry sorry the zachs keep coming and they don't stop coming as the smash mouth said exactly uh, you probably know zach from his recap zach has not been with us as much as he has in past years this year because he's doing something really exciting. Do you want to tell the people about what that is? Uh, sure. I'm going to medical school at Washington State University. Go Cougs, I say, choking it out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's been fun, but obviously it's taken up a lot of time. Yes, uh, which is sad for us, good for, I don't know, the eventual future of mankind and healthcare equity and access, blah, blah, blah. Uh, selfishly, I have missed you. You did get to write the recap of the, to this point, I mean, I was going to say the most significant Mariner game of the past two decades, but then I, I don't know, like we had, they seem to also keep coming. But I think like as far as standout moments, Cal Raleigh's, drought breaking home run swing is to me the 
the king of the mountain right now for the past two decades. And I thought you did a beautiful job with it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And yeah, I mean, it was definitely the best, the best Mariners game to that point uh, since 2002. Um, right. You know, any other uh, potential candidates just kind of pale in comparison. Um, that being said, we may have just experienced one which quickly overtook <laughs> it. So. <laughs> That was wild, and that one was on me to recap, uh, which I do not think I did as elegantly as you, but I tried to be very thorough. It took me a very long time because I had to throw out my entire document. Anyway, uh, and also kind of sharing some of the recap loads this season and hopefully into this postseason will be uh, Jake Parr, who also we have to call Jacob in the Slack because he is also one of many. Why do you guys all have the same names? We've yeah, had this conversation you. before here, you know. There's yeah. only like there's only like four names for uh, for for boys. It's it's a problem, but yeah. you know, we live with it. Uh, I'm doing I'm doing good. Um, I'm really excited about the Mariners. You know, I went down to a uh, to a tavern uh, to watch Game One of the Wild Card Series with some other Mariners fans here in Austin. It's a awesome. ton of fun. Now, you are in enemy territory, though. Now, remind me I how am. far Houston is from Austin. Um, I don't know in miles. It's like a, like a two-and-a-half-hour drive. And remind me why you aren't making that drive to go to the game when I saw pictures of how you could get in for $36 to some of the games on Tuesday or Thursday. Uh, because the games are at 2 p.m., and I have uh, classes, unfortunately, <sighs> for my Gosh, college. guys! You guys, with your education and your making the world bettering, it's just really inconvenient for me. Well, I'm studying history. I'm making the world worse. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we should we should get into it. We should talk about this series. Uh, I, one of the reasons I badly wanted Wildcard 1, obviously I wanted the home games, but also I wanted the opportunity to not face the Astros and... Wait, no, you would have had to do that anyway, right? If you won wildcard one in the ALCS. Yeah, C correct. Yeah. It, the only way to avoid them was by uh, taking the third wildcard and then beating right. Cleveland. Yes, that's what I was rooting for. In my mind, I transposed yeah. it to wildcard one because, uh, yeah, wildcard one would have been the home games. Wildcard three would have been the ability to sidestep the Astros, at least at this point. Obviously, neither of those happened. So now we must both uh, have gone to play the Blue Jays in non-home games in very hostile turf. Um, but now headed to even more hostiler turf in Houston, uh, which, I mean, I guess when you're writing the story of this season, like, it kind of had to be these two teams because... There is so much history. I mean, Rob Manfred is probably rubbing his tiny little hands together with glee and just cackling because the narratives really write themselves, right? These are two teams that are divisional opponents. You have the big bully of the division facing their the surging, you know, young upstart team. Uh, these two teams hate each other anyway. I think everybody knows that. Uh, there's a history of bad blood between them. Yeah, it's just, it is absolutely, I can't, I understand why they're not putting us in the the sweet spots. Like, it is annoyingly a 12.30 game here uh, in the Pacific time zone, which is just useless for everybody. But it hopefully you can get time off and be able to watch these games. 
but it, yeah, it's, it, I think that it's going to be, I feel like it's going to be dramatic. My worst fear is that they're just going to get pummeled by the Astros machine and it's going to be rough. But I, I think there's also a possibility where the Mariners fight really hard um, and show more of that early season spark that they did versus, you know, when they just got run over in uh, July, I guess it was. What are you guys feeling? Feeling pretty scared, I'm going to be honest. Um, yeah. yeah. That, that, that being said, it's never the worst thing to be in the position that the Mariners are in because at this point, they don't have a ton of pressure on them. Um, nobody really expects them to win, yet everybody's on their side. Nobody likes the Astros outside of Houston, it seems like. And even in Houston, doesn't seem like people you know, like them as much as... as some other teams in Houston, but in any case, you know, it's not a, it's nobody expects the Mariners to do anything. So it's kind of, if they win, it's a miracle. And if they lose, it's, Hey, it was a great season. Whereas the Astros kind of need to win for their season to be considered a success. I would argue. They need to win not only for their season to be considered a success, but also there was a lot of talk after their playoff exit last year about how the, I believe some doomsayer in Astros media, I can't remember who it was, maybe from the Chronicle, I, I don't know. But they were like, the Astros dynasty was over before it began or something. And I was like, my brother in Christ, I'm going to need you to chill out. Like They have been to the postseason literally every year. Postseason baseball is fluky, which, you know, gives me some degree of comfort, even while I feel like... uh I know this is a gambler's fallacy, but like, how can the Astros just get unlucky in the postseason every year? Like, some year it's got to be their year because they put themselves in this position every year to be playing for it. But I agree with you, Zach. I think there is there is pressure on them that is not existent on the Mariners. Jake, you're close to this because you're you're you. I am in Houston, not in Houston, but you know you're in the general area. What what's your sense? Um. I, I feel I feel good for the Mariners personally, um, and that's just because I'm I have incredibly narrow hoist blinders, uh, and I only I only see the good moments. I'm thinking of like um, uh, like the home opener, uh, the game where uh, Verlander just got blown up, um, the one where uh, in Houston where the Mariners and Astros almost got into a fight. Um, I don't know. I'm focusing on those games uh, that were pretty resounding and emotional wins, and I and I'm I'm feeling good. I don't know. There are a lot of uh, Astros fans around here. Um, I'm excited to finally start getting dirty looks for uh, wearing Mariners <laughs> merch because uh, usually people just roll their eyes at me. So I'm excited to finally get some some real uh, animosity from that. I've always said it's pretty pathetic whenever anybody tries to start like having a rivalry with the Mariners. I'm like, really? No. It's, you know, it's it's fun to be in that position to actually be somebody that Astros fans are scared of. And I think that you started to sense that this year on Astros Twitter, which obviously is a <laughs> toxic, terrible place. Uh, Just yeah. Full. Why would you ever go there? You don't, but they insert themselves. Oh, they're the they're that that. Famous like video of like the man a man inter interjecting between two women talking, like they are the the absolute kings of that. They just rent free, rent free is all. Like Mariners Twitter has created 
I think, a pretty sterling collection of memes to talk about, like, to to just spam any Astros fan who comes in talking mess when, like, they're not invited in the conversation. They just can't help themselves. They gotta be like, ugh. Yeah. How many games back are you from the, the division? Whatever. And I, I'm honestly, I am happy about it. I mean, it's not fun to be in those interactions, but again, you just leave those interactions when you can. But it's nice to have a, a real rival. And I know a lot of people are going to think, well, aren't the Angels their rival? But, you know, when neither the Angels nor the Mariners have had a lot of success over the last 10 years or so, it's really felt like two first graders kind of just having a fist fight on the playground. You know, it's just kind of feel kind of feel bad for both of them nobody really cares nobody wants to watch you know (laughs) but with the astros if the mariners somehow win this series and and even if they don't and they they continue to compete with the astros next year this could be the first legitimate rivalry they've had since you know what the angels in the 1990s i don't have any tattoos but if the mariners win this series i will get the tattoo of scott service step in like cakewalking out of the dugout with his cigar, I will get the image. I will get the outline of that tattooed on my body somewhere because I my br- my brain might explode. I don't. I do not think I can physically handle it. I feel so. better that it's the ALDS and not the ALCS. I'm glad it's a shorter series. <sighs> I feel like there's more time for uh, Mariners to Mariner and yeah. pull out no. some goofy wins. No, I think you're right. I think that that is something that kind of works in the Mariners' favor. If Chaos Ball is still with us, uh, it's more likely to rear its head in a five-game set than a seven-game set because there's just more opportunity for things to break weird. And that's kind of what it's going to take because I don't have any problem admitting, much like I didn't have any problem admitting like Toronto's lineup is superior to ours, and I think that had that series had to go on, I don't know. Because I would have been, I, I do think the Mariners are so much stronger in the bullpen and in the rotation depth that that would have been an interesting one to watch. But definitely, as far as the lineup goes, they can out hit us. Um, and that is even more true with the Astros. They are fearsome bullies and would, I mean, as you can tell, like the the season series, the record, it does not lie. I believe it is. We played them nineteen times this time this year. Is that right? And won seven games. I think that's right, including a sweep. Which was no, they did not sweep. They won series. It felt like a sweep, but they won <laughs> two series, which is like better than I remember them doing in years. I think. Yeah, that- it's it's never felt fun to play the Astros. Oh my God, for, for a variety of reasons. Uh, I hate it. I. I will watch basically every game. Obviously, I have to, but um, the only ones that, and I don't usually turn a game off, the only ones that are just actually physically painful for me to watch are Astros games. And specifically, Astros games where Justin Verlander is pitching. It is, it's so uncompetitive for us and it's so unfun. And I have to say, it is as excited as I am for them to finally play in an ALDS. Uh, it's just knowing that there's Verlander hovering over it is really just, I'm really trying to set my expectations appropriately because they can't hit him. That one game aside, which was featured Ty France hitting much better than he has in um, of, of recent date, uh, 
Taylor Trammell homered off of him. I mean, that was just a clearly an off day for Verlander. Other than that, he has pretty much shoved it down the Mariners' throats, and uh, and that's what I expect to happen in the in the season opener here. You're not wrong. I think he's played against the Mariners. What he's had six starts against the Mariners this year, and I think five of them he went at least seven innings with yeah, either one or zero runs allowed. And he's then, played the Mariners more than any other team. Yeah, I mean. It's just, uh, it's cruel and unusual punishment. Maybe, I mean, Jake, you're kind of our, you're our optimist. Uh, both Gotti and I are maybe a little more pessimistic at times. You are always kind of a sunny optimist. Do you think there might be any advantage in the Mariners having seen Verlander so much? Um, that, that is hard to say. Um, yeah. I was trying. I've been trying. I'm trying. To no, no, no. I'm trying to keep the positivity up, but. Absolutely. I think for me, it just comes with the youth. Um, I, I think, well, you know, the, the saying is that like the postseason's about pitching, right? Um, so I, th- I think that Verlander is going to be a problem. But I also think that he can be susceptible to pitch count-itis. Like, I think, you know, best case scenario, right? The Mariners foul off 10 pitches per at-bat. Uh, and just ruin his life and chase him out early just from that. Um, I don't know if that new elbow's got to wear out eventually, right? Why not tomorrow? I mean, we've been saying that for years. For years. It is unfathomable how old Justin Verlander is compared to... Like, the man is 40, and he's just so durable. I'm trying to look it up now and see if he has any kind of a times through the order penalty this year, but I, I think the to... real silver lining is that Justin Verlander can't pitch every game. Yes, absolutely. That is what we need to focus on. Actually, maybe that leans into um, just some, like when we talk about some general kind of previewing this matchup and where there might be some advantages for the Mariners. Um, MLB.com, Mike Petriello, who seems to hate the Mariners, never gives them much of an advantage in anything, has written the same article that he wrote for the um, Blue Jays, Mariners, ALDS. It's got very similar results. Uh, He favored the Blue Jays at basically every single position except, I think he's third base, and it was kind of like a pity one. It was like, oh, well... You know, this is going to be popular, but, and Gino just, I mean, Matt Chapman actually had a really good series, but I think Eugenio, I'll take Eugenio Suarez every day of the week and twice on Sundays over Matt Chapman. Um, Yeah, it's actually very, very similar. He gives the edge to the Mariners bullpen, the edge to the, I think maybe he gave the edge to the Mariners starting pitching. I can't remember in the Blue Jays one, but anyway, it's the edges for the Mariners are only at catcher center field and the bullpen. So let's, uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, maybe start with catcher because I think that one is the easiest. Uh, I will always pick Cal Raleigh. I am not objective about Cal Raleigh. I was really mad when Petriello said that the gap between the Blue Jays catchers catching depth and the Mariners I mean I guess if you say catching depth but the Mariners catching as a whole 
uh, was maybe the widest in the whole series. I thought he was really underrating Cal Raleigh. And look, lo and behold, Cal, Cal Raleigh went off in that series. Um, the catcher has been a weird weak point for the Astros, who are good pretty much everywhere else. But I think this one is pretty clear. What do you guys think? I mean, there's an argument to be made that Cal Raleigh is, is far and away the best catcher in the American League. Um, the only ones that might be close are Alejandro Kirk, who we just saw, and then maybe Sean Murphy. But, I mean, it's a slam dunk. You know, Cal is not only an excellent source of power in the lineup, you know, he's been hitting cleanup lately, which has just been incredible. Um, but he's just such a good defensive catcher, which I think he he doesn't get as much credit for. It's kind of his unsung skill. Um, and, and much as I hate the framing statistic and... and you know, long for the the times when our robot overlords will replace our uh, behind the plate umpires. Um, until that time, framing's important, and Cal Raleigh is is really good at it. He is. He's really good at handling a pitching staff. Period. Um, and he has a great rapport with Logan Gilbert. I'm assuming that's what we'll see in Game One. Jake, are you uh, in accordance with this? I think Cal might get a uh, a heart locket gift. <laughs> I think that he deserves one. Uh, I think let- how my beloved might happen. I love it. Uh, let's move on to first base because this was surprising to me. Uh, Petrello gives the edge to the Mariners over Yuli. Gur- so picking Ty France over Yuli Guriel, which I thought was, I mean, in my mind, Yuli Guriel is. A constant pest. He like maybe has some strikeout issues that you don't even see. Like in in comparison with the rest of the Astros, who just do not strike out that much. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I feel like he's been good, but when I'm looking at it, when I'm looking at it. He's been pretty terrible. (laughs) He's been bad. He's got a negative one war. He's been legitimately bad. Like, what? So do we think that maybe just this is his age catching up with him? I've not followed closely enough um, because the last time we saw the Astros, and I wrote an article about this today, the last time we saw the Astros was July 31st. Luis Castillo was not yet a Mariner at that point, which is bonkers to me. Bonkers scheduling. Uh, but yeah, that I I've not been paying atten- attention, but... Yuli is absolutely at the bottom, despite not striking out a lot. I was wrong about that. He was only striking out 12.5% of the time, but also only walking 5% of the time. Uh, His defense, which obviously is not great, is being baked into that negative war. But he only has a WRC plus of 85. He's been bad. Yeah, I mean, he's 38. I think it's fair to assume that that when you your WRC plus drops off by 50 points um, at at 38 years old, that it this might be something permanent, right? And real. 
Well, it seems like uh, actually instead of Guriel, somebody who's been getting a lot of starts at first base is Trey Mancini, who was their trade pickup. They got him, I thought, to play outfield because Michael Brantley obviously is done for the season and, I, I don't know, possibly done-done. Uh, I don't know what is the extent of it, but it's a back issue, right, with Brantley? Anyway. I am not sure about that, but, uh, but Michael, on the topic my, of Trey Mancini, yes, um, let's I love. Yeah, I love Trey Mancini. He's. Prob- I was heartbroken when the Astros traded for him because Same. I loved rooting for him. Um, for those that aren't familiar, I mean, probably the best story in Major League Baseball, if not, you know, if probably at least one of. But Trey Mancini was diagnosed with colon cancer right before the 2020 MLB season. He was only 28 years old, and. He My uncle a, died of colon cancer, by the way. It, it is, it's a particularly brutal one. Yeah, public service announcement. The age to which, at which to get your colon cancer screening is now 45 years old. So wow. for all of you 45-year-olds out there who haven't gotten your colonoscopy, it's not that bad, and I would recommend it. Uh, but Zach. yeah, in any case, you know, Trey Mancini, that he was able to come back from that after missing a whole year to chemotherapy. Um, is just insane. It's just incredible. I mean, there's no other way to frame it. It's it's shocking. Um, and, and for him to come back and be a 20 home run hitter is just, I mean, it's mind-blowing. Um, he has not reached the levels that he was able to reach before uh, leaving. You know, his WRC Plus was around 132 in 2019, and it's dropped to about 105 each of the last two years. Um, but that being said, he's, he's still totally solid. Um, He's nowhere near as good as Ty France, but he's he's definitely better than Yuli Gurriel is at this point. He's not been hitting well as an Astro. I believe he's he's hitting like a buck seventy five. Um, so it's not really the the slugging hasn't really come around. He's walking a lot, but you know this is this is small sample size, and I think there is a possibility that we see him. And he's definitely more athletic than Yuli Gurriel, who is not a great first baseman. So I think there's a there's a possibility we see him there. Still totally comfortable giving the edge to Ty France. I think the best thing that the that Trey Mancini can do for the Astros is just deposit balls in the Crawford boxes. He pulls his uh, his forty yes. percent of the time. Like he's very pull happy. Um, so I that, I think that's my fear is that he's just going to hit lazy fly balls that just end up in the first or second row there. He was a he was a smart pickup for them. It hurt my heart very much. If the Astros do move on, I will be rooting for the Yankees. Obviously, I mean, I'm sorry, whoever wins the Yankees Guardians series, uh, but I will I will be always be rooting for Trey Mancini. Uh, let's move on to an unpleasant position to talk about, which is second base, which is where we have two. Uh, Elvin Kings going up against each other, Adam Frazier and Jose Altuve, who uh, I just, obviously, I mean, I don't, I thought Altuve might have been cooked. I am personally a huge fan of Altuve. I love anyone who doesn't take no for an answer, doesn't let physical limits imposed on them, keep them down. Um, I love that he came back to the tryout after he was sent home. 
I think it's karmically unfair that it was the Astros, the same team that tried to send him home that he's worked out for. But, you know, I, I have to be happy for him. He's so inspiring to a whole class of players. Obviously, I'm friendly with one of our prospects, Jonathan Classe, who's also kind of a smaller guy, and he looks up to Altuve. That's his favorite player. It's He's inspired a whole generation of ballplayers. That being said, I am so mad about his 2022. I thought he'd slow down. He's 32. And he was so bad when we saw him in... I looked it up, actually. It was his worst month. The month of April was his worst month since he was... Since 2013. Um, and he has completely reversed that. He's putting in his best year since, like, his all-star MVP-adjacent 2017. He absolutely destroys us in this category. Jose Altuve is good at baseball. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't like Altuve. I mean, I'll be the petty one that hasn't gotten over the cheating scandal, and and I will it's always... Funny. There are a lot of people who feel like that. Yeah, and I'll relish the memory forever when the Astros came to Seattle earlier this year. We beat them by something like 10 runs, and man, Altuve did not have a good game. I think he struck out at least two or three times. And he was getting booed mercilessly throughout the whole game to the point where by the end of the game, it, it really felt like bullying. Um, but it felt good. It was a catharsis. And <laughs> un unfortunately, he's good again. And I love playoff Adam Frazier. I, I think Adam yeah. Frazier could continue to have a really strong ALDS, but uh, he's not going to be Jose Altuve strong. No, no, no. I It was great because I was listening to uh, Ryan Divish was on one of the shows on 710 today, and he was talking about how Adam Frazier said this is the first time he's been on a good team. Like Aww. he was on the, he was, he was on the pirates for years. Like, and he got there right after the pirates started sucking. He was the best player on a bad team forever. And then he went to the Padres and that kind of didn't work out. It was the, yeah, the 2021 pod. I mean, Zach, you're a huge Padres fan. Like, you know what the tw what 2021 was for the Padres. Padres, I was thinking about this yesterday. I think people are sleeping on them as MLB's cursed team. Mm, um, more, more than the Mariners, more than anyone, more than the Twins, who've had just a horrendous run of luck in the playoffs. But the Padres have, I think, have they ever won a World Series? I don't think so. I don't think and, they have. Yeah, they haven't. I think the only time they got there was 98 against the Yankees, but they have just been horrible, and uh, especially in the postseason. And so... You know, and the vibes around them always seem to be bad. Just it's always right. some some story or another. So I don't blame Adam Frazier for wanting to get out of that situation. Were you happy to see? Well, I mean, he didn't have a choice. He got traded. <laughs> like it was, but yeah, maybe uh, it's maybe not surprising that he felt like that was uh, that he's now on the best team that he's ever been on. So I don't know. I would love for playoffs. Adam Frazier to keep popping up, but I don't know that he will. All right, let's talk shortstop because this is Jeremy Pena and JP Crawford, which obviously they give the edge to Pena. Um, I'm going to find Durs and break his fingers. 
have to say though, I think that Pena is Pena's very he's very solid. He's good. Um, but he didn't have a ton of prospect hype around him. And then initially he was like pressing with Julio Rodriguez for the rookie of the year, and Astros fans were insufferable about it because he was beating Julio in statistical categories early on. And then pitchers were like, oh, just throw him a breaking ball. He cannot hit that. And he couldn't. And he started striking out a bunch and tanked his offensive value, got hurt, then a ton of time on the IL, wasn't really the same player when he came back. He has put down a he's he's put up a really hot stretch hot stretch uh kind of at the end of the season here. But he he's done that against uh like the Tigers, the A's, the Rangers, the Angels, like not exactly the best competition. So I think Pena is somebody who could be neutralized by pretty good pitching. Obviously, J.P. Crawford is what he is. Like he's an on-base guy. He's not as good a bat as Pena. Defensively, I think it's much closer than the metrics might look because JP has had a rough year defensively with just some weird errors. He played super crisply in Toronto. I don't think we see that from him again. He's not going to make mistakes with the spot. JP likes pressure and he likes to respond. And I don't think that we see the same degree of defensive sloppiness from him that we've seen. So offensively, yeah, I think Pena is better than jp crawford but i think they are definitely closer than what the common perception might be i actually am not sure that pena is better offensively than crawford um i will say pena is definitely better defensively and i'm worried about jp's defense like you said he was really good in toronto but i mean he's been the 36 the 36th best shortstop defensively per outs above average and that's in a league with 30 teams it's been a really rough year for him yeah but he's actually been okay offensively and meanwhile jeremy pena like you were saying he's he's had a little bit of a hot stretch here towards the end of the season that being said it was like you said against bad teams and during that time he had a walk rate of only 2.5 percent in september and october um that's really Really he's bad. never been he's never been a big walker. He he does not walk a lot. And yeah, that's you like Unieski Betancourt levels though. <laughs> three point nine on the year. Yeah. yeah. No, it's I mean um, Fangraphs gives them the like they have the same WRC plus, uh one oh two for Pena and one oh four for JP. So I don't know. I think I don't think their bats are that much of an issue. I think it's defensively and you know, if we get high pressure JP, I think we're good. Yeah. Uh, I'm Pena gonna, I'm gonna, annoys me with weird jumps, though. Just mm, really good at snagging the Jeter balls. Jump. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna throw my lot in with. Uh, I'm gonna throw my lot in with JP here, though, for sure. Defensively, I think. I think he, he's a big time player, and he's gonna come to make some big time plays. Uh, let's talk about third base. Um, Obviously, MLB.com gives the edge to the Astros. I think probably everyone else will because it's Alex Bregman. Um, I will. I mean, if the contest was like, who would you ever want to have a conversation with? Obviously, it's Suarez, who is 
like the personality wise, they cannot be more of two different people, right? Like Eugenia Suarez, peach, darling, sweetheart, wonderful person, absolutely should be like just should be the face of MLB, in my opinion, because he is just such a wonderful guy, so sweet, has taken over like ownership of the drought, love Seattle, like has just gone all in. And Alex Bregman is somebody who has whatever that German f- word is that means like a face in need of a punching. Cannot <laughs> stand him. Uh, but unfortunately, Alex Bregman is very good. You're good at baseball. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's, and I don't want to be the voice of negativity and, and pettiness, but he's easily my least favorite baseball player. It's it's not particularly close. It's it's Donaldson and Bregman, really? but I think Bregman wins out. Oh yeah, he is just ah. Uh, you're not gonna take smirky, smirky Justin Verlander with his <laughs> excuses coming in three two. Verlander's my least favorite. I mean, sure. I I was really angry about Verlander's tweet. For those of you who don't know, this is Verlander tweeting at Robinson Cano after Cano got a sub tweeting. Did not steroids. Did not tweet at him, subtweeting. Yeah, he like vague little... tweeted excuses coming in three, two, one after Cano got popped for steroids. That being said, you know, Cano's kind of in the wrong there. Just going to say it. So, steroids bad? Is, well, we don't care. <laughs> you know, there's a difference between steroids in today's game versus maybe how they were 20 years ago. It, in any case, Cano knew that he was breaking the rules but that's neither here nor there the point is I don't, I don't have a ton of personal animosity towards Verlander but Bregman I, I really don't care for is there uh, anything particular that has caused you to I mean it's, feel it's, that just, way, it's just a continuation of the cheating scandal is, is mm, most yeah. and, and of all of the players that were involved in the cheating scandal Bregman to me was the least um, the least willing to admit responsibility, admit fault. At no point did he show any modicum of remorse. It was right. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's amazing how close Bregman and Suarez are. Like they have literally almost the same WRC plus. Bregman is obviously going to out hit Suarez by average because Suarez is such a big strikeout guy. I think he strikes out maybe like twice three times possibly as often as Bregman does, but they slug about the same. But the difference to me is Bregman slugs in a teeny tiny baby's first ballpark. And Eugenio does it in an environment that's not super friendly to right-handed hitters. Um, And he, where I see Eugenio's power is like largely to the to center field. So, I I think that they are close. It depends on how it depends very much on the pitching, right? Like Bregman can take a pitch that is probably a pretty good pitch and deposit it in the stupid Crawford bro- boxes, but I think Eugenio could do that too. So oh, I, to me that one is a push. I'm going to go with Eugenio just because I love him. As close as they are offensively, Bregman is clearly the the better defender, even though I think Suarez has been much better defensively this year than anyone anticipated. Uh, I think you 
I, I at least got to go Bregman. I just feel like that could be a push, you know, like how much over a five game series is the gap that exists between their defense, which is not huge, going to come to play. You only get, you know, 16, 20 plate appearances. I mean, anything could happen. That being yeah. said, if if we're talking about most likely outcomes, it's probably weighted towards Bregman. All right. Let's talk about uh, the outfield where. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. MLB.com gives the edge to the Astros everywhere except center field, where they very nicely, uh, very politely say, like, well, the... The Mariners have Julio Rodriguez and the Astros have question mark. So, yeah, <laughs> thanks. Thanks for awarding us that one. Um, they, uh, yeah. Chaz McCormick, not a bad hitter. Not as bad as I thought he would be. A little above average defensively. Mauricio Dubon, I liked a lot as a giant. I was very annoyed when the Astros picked him up. Pretty good defensively. Has not hit. Uh, Jake Meyer, I mean, mm. so really what this is to me is I think it's more useful to consider the outfielders as a collective and consider Rodriguez, Kalnick, Hanniger versus now see they sort Jordan Alvarez as an outfielder, which just he is not. They put him in outfield and DH, which is my biggest like constructive issue with this article is they give the edge to the DEH to Astros because of Alvarez and they also give it to left field because of Alvarez which yeah which you can't do and also Alvarez is bad in the field he's so bad I mean mean, that's why they put him in left because nothing actually drops in left field yeah no he's I know who's a worse fielder Jordan Alvarez or Jesse Winker I mean, I think Winker might be worse. Yeah, you put Winker against anyone over the age of twenty, anyone over <laughs> the age of ten, I'll say, and it's you'd be hard pressed to have it not be Winker who's worse. I, I don't think know. He's better I, than me. Yes. Yeah. I mean, injecting a little bit of realism. I think Alvarez just it's it's surprising because Alvarez is really young, um, but he's just not an athlete. You know, sometimes you look at guys and you're like, Oh, he's an athlete. Like Luis Castillo. When you watch Lucy, Luis Castillo come off the mound to do like a, a PFP, like, or a, a comebacker to field a comebacker, run out, run to first base, whatever. I'm struck by how elegantly he moves. Like he, the way he runs, it's very fluid. It's very athletic. Jordan Alvarez is huge and he hits bombs, but he is absolutely the opposite of that. Like when he runs, it just looks like, I don't know, like there's a small team of gnomes inside him that are like pulling a complicated system of levees and pullers to like 
pulleys to like move them around. It's very confusing. So I think like if you want to just put Alvarez as DH, absolutely. He's one of the best hitters in baseball. I think we would all be talking about him more if Aaron Judge hadn't decided to like go break a historic record. But he he's not an out like I'm I'm not considering him as part of the outfield. I'm just gonna give DH to the Astros. But I think we need to talk about the people who are actually going to be playing at uh, the outfield for the Astros, and that's Chaz McCormick, uh, Kyle Tucker, and maybe Trey Mancini, maybe Mauricio Dubon, maybe Jake Meyer. Like, I think I will take the Mariners outfield compliment. The Mariners' complement of outfielders over the Astros. What do you guys think? Yeah, and for those wondering at home, Jordan Alvarez has played 56 games in left field this year and 77 in DH. So it's it's been the the norm for him to DH. Um, and then if we just want to kind of go off the last few games, the Astros have had Trey Mancini playing left field a few times, and and it does seem like that might be the case going forward. Just to set a baseline there. Yeah, and I mean, Kelnick has, I think he's putting up better at bats. He's not hitting as well yet, but I will absolutely take his defense in left field, wherever it is, over basically any of the Astros outfielders. I think even Tucker. I don't think Tucker's a great outfielder. Let me look. But I mean, yeah, I would take, like, just, you know, matching them up, right? And not just position, but in general. I'd say like Julio is better than Tucker. Mitch is better than I don't know, Chaz McCormick. No, Tucker's then, Tucker's a right field Tucker can't play center. Tucker's a right fielder. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Way has Tucker and, and Mitch at about the same in terms of defensive prowess in the in right field. I'll take Mitch's arm. Yeah, Mitch's arm is is excellent. You're not wrong there. And that probably does give him the edge. I feel like, yeah, I feel like the Mariners has a better outfield. Or have a better outfield. I think a better defensive outfield. That's, yeah. what, I think, defense, not for debate. Right, we're, we're not talking Alvarez, though. We're only talking Kyle Tucker and whatever they do in center field and left field. So it's Kyle Tucker and Jake Myers and whoever. Like, Alvarez is off the table, so... Offensively, you guys aren't willing to give them the edge. I am. I'm not. Uh, to me, this question comes down to to Mitch Haniger, um, because Mitch Haniger has had a rough last month of the season, um, and even in the Blue Jays series, he did not look that good. Uh, I was a little bit worried just with how he's looked. Um, he, he struck out a lot. Let's see. He had a total. He was two for nine in the series, which isn't the worst, but you know, he, he has not looked good over the last 30 plus days. And if he can turn it around and, and have a couple of dingers this series, I think the Mariners definitely have a chance, but if, if they get what they've been getting out of him for September, then I'm a little worried. No, I, I'm I'm not at all worried about Mitch Haniger. Sorry, he is totally. He's definitely turned it around lately. Like he just looks like he's gotten his timing back. He's put in so much work. 
Um, I can break it down. I think I broke it down in a tweet or an article a while back about I because I wrote about how Mitch Haniger, like the Mariners need their champion back. They need Mitch Haniger to be good again. He has over the past couple weeks really started showing up again. Uh, I will get it and I will find it. But anyway. Uh, let's move on and talk about pitching. Which pitching staff do you like, Jake? Oh, man. Um, I mean, Verlander's very good at throwing a baseball. But honestly, I, I think... Annoyingly. I know, I know. But I, th- I think after that, they're pretty comparable i i don't know um astros fans are gonna kick my door down allow me to remind you that the astros just got lance mccullers back like literally it was like uh august 8th or 13th or something like that so Uh, um yeah he's he's popped up out of nowhere and has looked pretty good annoyingly doesn't seem to have any rust on him despite sitting out the entire season Still walks a lot of guys because that's Lance McCullers always does that because his primary pitch is curveball and it doesn't always land in the zone, but he doesn't have to worry about that because he gets so many whiffs on it. He so just throws 17 in a row. Yeah, sure. And the Mariners do not match up well against a guy whose primary pitch is a curveball. Uh, it'd be worse if he's left-handed, but uh, as it is, it's it's not ideal. Uh, and then we have Framber Valdez, who also the Mariners didn't see a lot of because he sat out the first couple months of the season, I think it was. But then all of a sudden came back and has been pretty dominant since he came back. So that one, two, three, I don't know if it's going to go that way exactly, but they've moved Jose Arquiti. The Mariners actually did have some success against into the bullpen. They traded Jake Odorizzi, who also the Mariners had some success against. Uh, He's an Atlanta Brave now, so uh, I don't love the... I don't love this from a pitching matchup standpoint. But also, the Astros have not seen Luis Castillo, and they've not seen Luis Castillo at all. Like, I don't he definitely didn't make any starts against them, even as a red this year. I don't think he did. Yeah, I don't think he has over the past couple years, even. So Castillo is going to be a totally, like, black box experience for them. Which is exciting to me. And then also, the, Mar- uh, the Astros didn't really see George Kirby as a starter, either. They saw Matt Brash as a starter. And then they saw Matt Brash a little out of a bullpen. They did not see George Kirby as a starter. And they did not see George Kirby with his two-seamer as a starter. So I feel like this is closer to a push than some people think it is. What do you think, Zach? I mean, this is kind of a weird way to think about it. but So the Mariners are going to face Verlander twice this series, right? If they play four or five games. You either have to beat Verlander at least once, or you have to win every other game. Okay, so I I think it's maybe a little bit more likely that they win every other game than (laughs) than they beat Verlander once. And the crazy thing is, I don't hate their chances in every other game, depending on 
who they decide to pitch in the other games. Um, and that's kind of what it comes down to because they haven't announced their starters other than Gilbert game one. Um, but I think you can kind of comfortably pencil in Luis Castillo for game two since he'll be on, what, five days rest at that point. And then game three is Saturday the 15th. And I know that's Robbie Ray's turn in the rotation, but that's going to be a must-win game. Not going to be against Verlander. And I would really like it if they pitched George Kirby in that game. And, I am uh... a... Oh yeah, go ahead, Jake. I am a, I'm a known pitch count enthusiast, and I think the Mariners can be more efficient. Uh, in that regard, and I, then some of the Astros guys, especially you know, second, uh, third time through the order. So I don't know. I'm not feeling terrible. You know, I am. I am an optimist. You know, youth is really great. I recommend it. Um, just, just you know, just flex on us, why don't you? <laughs> but uh, just, just don't look at, don't look at Berlander. It's, he can be over there. He can be over there. Uh, I, I'm not thrilled about the idea of Robbie Ray against the Astros. I don't think that the gap is as big as it's being painted, just because Castillo puts them so much closer to having an answer to Verlander. And then it's like, okay, well, do you like Luis Castillo, Logan Gilbert, George Kirby... Robbie Ray, or do you like Justin Verlander, Framber Valdez, Lance McCullers, Luis Garcia? I guess. I mean, uh, I I think that's close. So this the way the schedule lines up. Do you have it handy? Because I know they play Tuesday, Thursday, and then Saturday, Sunday. Would Game Five be Monday, or would they have an off day and have Game Five? I believe no, it's Monday. There's no, there's no off day. It would be Monday, and it would be an immediate uh, flying back. Sorry, I was just looking up Mitch Haniger since I wrote the Mariners need their champion back. Yeah. The article that I wrote about how he was, he has a who would like to guess what his WRC plus is. Sixty-two. That makes me feel better. <laughs> Since I wrote the article, the Mariners need their champion back, and I said Mitch Haniger has had an upturn at the end of every season. You can expect him to have another one. What? What? What would you like? Uh, what would you like to guess from September the twenty-sixth to October fifth? His. Well, see, these his... guessing games are always like predicated on the idea that it's going to be something I don't expect. So I'll say, mm. if you hadn't asked me to guess, I probably would have guessed like 110. But now I think it's probably okay. going to be like more 130 or so. You think it's 130. Okay. What do you think, Jake? 62. 60, 60. It is 235. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, right. that, okay. that, that, that does make me feel better. Thank <laughs> that you. That does it make you okay. feel better. All right. Yeah. I, I was strict because we were so down on him earlier. Yeah. Don't worry about Mitch Hanager, y'all. Um, okay. So I the do pitching. think I, the pitching. I do think the pitching is a little bit of a push. It goes uh, MLB.com gives the edge to the Mariners for the bullpen, which I think is generous. I mean, it's tough because the bullpen 
is so related to how the starting pitching has performed, right? So, like, if the starting pitching is really strong and they've held the team off the, the other team off the board, then I feel like the bullpen obviously has an easier job of it. Whereas if it's like one or two, I guess I would say, like, if the games are close, I like our bullpen. If the, if the Mariners are trying to mount a comeback, yeah, it, it just won't matter. So, Right. Well, this kind of goes into their strategy for the series. Because my question was going to be, so assuming they pitch Luis Castillo on Thursday, then if the game goes to, or if the series goes to five games, mm-hmm. um, they, would, they would have to pitch him again on, on Monday the 17th, and that would be on three days rest. And so, you know, first question tough. is, would they do that? And then if they if they would do that, you know, you got to assume he's on a pretty short pitch count and right. the bullpen would be pretty essential in that game. I think what we might see in a case like that, and I think that one of the things that they might do with the, we haven't seen the ALDS roster drop yet, but putting Matthew Boyd on that roster and then maybe dropping off somebody else or putting Marco on so that you could use him out of the bullpen as a way to like create some length if it does go to five days or if it does go to game five and you have to like bring Castillo out on short rest. Also, though, I really like the idea of Castillo on short rest. He is such I mean, the name La Piedra, the rock does not come from nothing, you know, like he is. He might not be as effective on short rest, but he is so durable. He's not going to blow up on you. You can get like four good innings out of him and then get another four out or three, even two out of a long guy in your bullpen. So I think that the plans that they're making are going to be reflected in what we see when the ALDS roster drops, which obviously... We'll write up an analysis of it. I'm surprised we didn't get it today. I think there's some degree of gamesmanship, too, where, like, um, both managers are not willing. I mean, Scott wasn't even willing to commit to his Game 2 starter yet. So, And I think some of that is going to be pretty dynamic based on, like, how Game 1 goes. Like, if Logan Gilbert goes out there, gets in trouble early, and they have to haul someone else out, off the roster, like George Kirby, to basically piggyback with him, I think you're going to see a really different setup than... No. No, you're not. What am I talking about? No, you're not. You're going to you're gonna pitch Luis Castillo as much as you can pitch Luis Right, Castillo. right. You know, you can't, you can't end <laughs> the series with him yeah. having pitched no. once. You know, am, what am I talking about? Unless it's <laughs> yeah. So, how, I mean, how do you feel about framing the starting pitching in this way, right? Because... I really like the Mariners' chances in any game that Luis Castillo pitches. Me and I too. really hate the Mariners' chances in any game that Justin Verlander pitches. Same. And I don't think they're going to line up. So I if don't you give, think so. Yeah, so it's going to come down to that Saturday game in Seattle. Mm, in Seattle, where and you have we, the home crowd. Do we think the Mariners pitch George Kirby or Robbie Ray? Does Robbie Ray get a start this series? That is a million dollar question, I think. I tried to answer that um, in the mailbag in the Daily Catch today, but I don't know. I don't think 
I think he does. I think Scott's just gonna just gonna want to trust him. Um, I don't think he'd go very deep though. Like regardless of what the score would be, I don't think we'd see him pitching very short leash. Yeah, but I also don't think we'd see even if he's doing you know fine. I also don't think we'd see him for that long uh, on Saturday. I think that you. I think it, the start goes to Kirby because the Astros just haven't seen him, and you I have hope, that. I hope you're right. You have that element of surprise. I think that that's the only thing that really makes sense. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. George Kirby against Luis Garcia. I mean, Dusty is kind of doing that gamesmanship too, where he came sure. out today and said he didn't know who was starting what right. game because there was, what, quote, I a little bit of sickness going around. Right, sure, sure. And then everybody showed up to the press conference. Like, okay. Yeah, well, all right, let's talk to kind of cap things off today and some of you sending questions about the ALDS for the last podcast uh, I tabled those and then forgot to look them up but I hope that we have answered your questions I know that there's one that popped into my mind which was um, who who will be the ALDS hero I think like pretty clearly the hero of the wildcard series was Cal any pushback on that like mm, Adam Frazier but that was just the second game. I think the series you got to give it to Cal. Any any disagreement there? Cal, my beloved. All right. For the wild card uh, series as a whole, you mean? Yeah. Uh, I I would. I mean, gosh, game two just it's game two. The MVP was clearly Adam Frazier. I guess. Yeah, yeah. And game one, the MVP was clearly Luis Castillo, but. Yeah. I think Cal was the second most valuable player in both those games. So yeah, you gotta I give it to it. Cal. Yeah. I do. I agree. Uh, so that was one of the questions we got is who do you think is going to be your, your postseason hero? But I just kind of want to ask, like, taking a bird's eye view at this, you know, the Astros have been resting. They've been getting to kind of kick back and relax and watch all these other things happen. The Mariners have been fighting. We know that these two teams don't like each other. There's a lot of animosity. There's a lot of bad blood. Just from like a vibes standpoint or from a not at all like the things on the field, but just the general aura around these two teams. Who do you think has the the all important vibes edge? Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling I'm feeling but the vibes are most excellent, you know. Are you are you giving the vibes edge to the Mariners, Jake? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay, why? Um, well, you know, I'm I'm down here. Um and you know, I'm not in Houston, right? I, I'm kind of far from Houston, but there's no excitement about the Astros just from what I see in my daily life, right? Like I don't know. When I was in Seattle uh, this summer in that miserable Angel series, you know, there were still just 
tons of dudes uh, walking around in like uh, Ichiro jerseys and Julio jerseys on off days. Uh, you don't see that um, around here. I have, you know, it's it's a surprising day if I see like an Astros T-shirt. Um, and I think that, you know, the attitude of the fans kind of goes along to the team. There's absolutely no way that the fans are behind the Astros in the same way the fans are behind the Mariners. I, I don't exactly. think that's yeah. at all. I, yeah. That's 100%. And everybody, like, everybody's rooting for the Mariners. No one likes the Astros. It's and, I, and just based on general vibes, I mean... The Mariners want this so bad. So bad. And, 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 and I mean, gosh, it's not like the Astros don't, but just you alluded to the ticket prices earlier. It's like $35 to get into the door to Minute Maid Park. And in Seattle, it's you're paying at least 300 I mean, that says a lot. I mean, part of it is just not winning for a long time. But yeah, hungrier. I think younger and hungrier plays a factor here. The Astros are a better team. Like, they have better talent. Like, they have... It's just a fact. Like, they have shellacked the Mariners over the season series, over the many years. It's true. But the one place I feel very secure giving the Mariners the edge is is in the vibes. Because they're doing something that's unprecedented. They truly love each other as a team it's an incredible brotherhood and that comeback like that doesn't happen unless everybody in that dugout believes no one gave up no one quit no one went out and had like a bad at bat or you know they fought and they fought and they fought and i think like sometimes it it is it's tough to it's tough to overcome like gossman's pitching Verlander, it's gonna be tough, but I just I think yes, like they know who they're playing for. They've had that taste of success. They're so young, they're so hungry. They have so many players who love coming up in big moments like JP, like Julio, Cal, the unlikeliest hero. So I'm really hoping even if they don't win, they put up a really good fight. They make a lot of noise. They command the baseball world's attention. But vibes-wise, absolutely. Absolutely, I give the edge to the Mariners. And vibes are a real thing. They're they're a measurable stat. Quantifiable, uh, for sure. In in baseball, uh, vibes are Mm a real real team stat. And uh, the highest level is most excellent. Vibes above replacement? Well, the whole (laughs) team has most excellent vibes, so... Uh, all right. Before we end, let's go ahead and do a little prediction. Um, what do you see happening in this series? And we're only going to make good predictions. We're only you're only making predictions, by the way, where the Mariners win. So you can pick them winning in three or four or five, but you cannot pick them losing. Sorry, we're just we're just not gonna we're not gonna entertain that kind of negativity tonight. Um, go ahead and give me a prediction. And give me your series MVP. Ooh. Mm-hmm. 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 Would, would you like me to start? Would it be 
would it be better? Yes, if I please. Yeah, that would be okay, great. Okay, I'll start. I'll start. Uh, I think that the Mariners lose the first game because Verlander win the second game, come to Seattle, win both games because they are absolutely bolstered by this wild environment at T-Mobile and uh, and take the series that way. That's enough, right? Yeah, that's three wins. Um, and then I think your series MVP is Mitch Haniger, who hits two home runs in the series. And makes an incredible emotional speech to the T-Mobile crowd. Yeah, that's what I see. See, uh, in my crystal ball, um, I'm going to be really selfish. I'm going to say um, that the Mariners went in five, uh, so I can be there. Uh, and I think the series MVP is yes. going to be uh, a Eugenio, who's going to get a home run in every game at Midway Park. Oh my god, uh, I love it! I love it, I, and I love it from a from a perspective too, where like he could really take advantage of those Crawford boxes. Mm-hmm. It's going to have one uh, eighth inning, fourth inning, and let's say ninth. We'll go real fun with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I there love it. Go. I love it. All right, Gotti, your turn. I've got Mariners in five. Um, I think I don't know who they're going to pitch in game three, but I think whoever doesn't pitch is going to give a really gutsy long relief performance in game five after Castillo pitches the game of his life on three days rest. And my MVP for this series has got to be Julio. Um, he did not have the best series yes. in Toronto. He no, went one for seven. I mean, it's hard when you're getting hit and he got hit twice, which is yeah. tough. Mm-hmm. But and, and obviously he's he's thrilled that the team won, and that's all he cares about. But he's the kind of guy who realizes that he he had a lot of hard hit balls that went right at guys, and he's I think he's mad about that. You know he's he's the kind of guy who's who's gonna I just not let himself have a bad series. I just don't see it happening. And, you know, I think he's going to hit at least a couple home runs, steal a couple bases, and hopefully carry the Mariners in five. I'm I, love fun. Can't wait. I love all these choices. Um, to inject a bit of realism, like, honestly, I was so happy for them to make the playoffs. I was shocked. They, I thought that they had a good chance to win, honestly. I, I thought they might take it in three. Possibly. Uh, I did not see a two-game sweep of the Blue Jays <laughs> incoming. Uh, I definitely did not see that wild game on Saturday coming. So I just, I'm I'm hoping the team continues to surprise and delight us. I love this team. But honestly, no matter what, it's been an incredible ride. It feels sustainable. Because the guys they're doing it with are going to be guys. It's not like you know Robinson Cano on the last of the last year of his deal or Nelson Cruz. Lord love him, I love him. But you know, working out on the final two year deal, whatever he had. Um, it's it's guys who are young. It's Cal Raleigh. It's George Kirby. It's Julio. 
guys are going to be here for a long time and who are going to help put us in the position that the Astros are in, where they're just perennial winners. And those, I, I feel like the, the sad days of baseball in Seattle are over and we're entering a new phase. And so for me, like to have come this far in this first year of this is what the team could be with all these guys in place, it just feels really exciting. Um, I can't be mad or sad about anything that happens, even though I will definitely be mad and sad if they don't win against the Astros because I hate them. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a super incredible ride, and I'm I'm so grateful to you guys to have shared it with and to have read your words and to have been able to write words about this team. I'm so grateful to all of you who've listened to us over this year um, and so excited to share this with everyone. And hopefully we get to talk soon again about something really fun. Thank you guys for being here. Of course. Okay. This is a blast. It's, it's going to be, I'm so excited and so scared and can't wait to talk, a, talk about it all again soon. Thank you. Everyone who listened, thank you, Mariners, and yeah, go Mariners. Bye!